Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Rachel Shackle. All right. And Ash Millman. Hello. Now, I didn't want to just do a what we play in type thing, although we are going to do that as well. Um, but I thought I would twin that with a sort of wider discussion on open world games and linear games, because uh, between us at the minute, Rachel's been tackling World of Warcraft Classic. Well. Well. I played... 15 minutes of it last night before I realized that uh, it takes two seconds to cast a spell. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I decided to wait until tonight where it's hopefully going to be a little bit less. Okay. Populated. But we can still use that as a leap enough point to talk about. The I played it. I played it 15 years ago. Yeah, there you go. For like a few thousand hours. Ash has been tackling Man of Medan. Yes. Which by the time you guys watch this, the embargo will have lifted and it's all legal to talk about it. Yes. Um, and I've been playing Control, which is Remedy's new thing. Um, the people that brought you Max Payne, Alan Wake, Quantum Break. Um, so yeah, I kind of just wanted to have, because it's, it's weird. As soon as I booted up Control and that game just, just goes, it just lands yeah. full ground sprinting and it's just kind of like here's the narrative just go it looks so good it's like, brilliant. it looks so good I'm glad you're enjoying it like. mm-hmm. it's great I mean we'll get to um, we'll go game specific uh, in a bit but I kind of just wanted to talk about like that differentiation between the appeal of open world stuff and linear stuff um, because like I said with Control as soon as that kicked off I was like I love a video game when it just yeah. goes I don't need to worry about like crafting <laughs> components and you know something that takes 15 totally. hours yeah. to kick off um, so yeah my opening question was just like do you guys which one do you prefer if it was like a gut reaction thing do you tend to go to something that you know you're going to play for a long time or that approach of I'm going to finish this in a handful of play sessions kind of thing I like both but Mm. I much like now much more gravitate towards a game that has like a very finite clean story because you're a busy woman yeah because I'm a busy woman Scottish like (laughs) Uh, was it really was it really? Um, but no like for me like I work obviously all week and then I do streaming and stuff so I'm just like I want something that doesn't take too long to finish mm. uh, so that's the camp that I'm in at the minute but then I do play a butt ton of World of Warcraft and I replay yeah. Dark Souls every five minutes so I do I do like games that are like huge and open world as well mm-hmm. yeah. I like getting lost in something that's massive and open world but I think there's a weird thing because hardly any games advertise like how long the onboarding yeah. thing is um, you only kind of find out like way after the fact where like something like Final Fantasy 13 it's like oh it takes like 12 hours to kick in or like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or like whatever yeah. and it's like these games that you need to know that go in there's like a cushion before you actually get yeah. to the game itself what do you think overall? Uh, personally I used to absolutely espouse my love for open world games I used to love dropping a spouse into a casual podcast I used to love them I, like obviously I talk about all the time loving um, Elder Scrolls uh, mm. and uh, being well behind that sort of open world game but 
but but big buts um it. it has it's the, the genre is just a bit dead for me now nice. I, pers- I personally feel like i've invested so much time in like um those like single games that are so massive and wonderful mm. and uh give you all this stuff that i just can't handle them anymore like red dead redemption 2 was my point where i got to i was like oh I don't like open world games anymore. In terms I mean, of like just because like, there are so many possibilities for things to do in yeah. Red Dead Two, is it just like exactly. I, I'm, not, I'm never going to get to all of this? So, yeah, I was yeah. overwhelmed with it. Andromeda killed it for me, and then Red Dead Redemption Two. I really enjoyed the game, um, but like got through it and was like, there is so much stuff, and I want to do all of it. And my little completionist heart is yeah. beating, pounding. It's uh, <laughs> blood pumps through me, but I'm not be able to. I'm not going to be able to do it without sticking to it for six mm-hmm. months. And there's so many games that I want to be able to play. So now, if I can play something like in a day, like an eight-hour game, where mm-hmm. I can so like sit down, like lock in and play it for eight hours or like 10 hours 20 hours um perfect absolutely my jam i tend to like because it's weird like you talk about like the you think about the hollywood influence on games and like that idea of like you know doing proper stories three yeah. act structures and whatever else like i like that like you said like i like being able to sit down and know you're yeah. going to see credits i don't know if you guys do that when you're buying stuff if you're like mm-hmm. i am i'm never going to finish this kind of thing it does uh influence what i buy and mm-hmm. don't buy because for the longest time i was like oh i probably won't even bother with red dead too. yeah right. i only ended up getting it because mike wanted it right. <laughs> they're like so i was like we ended up getting that but like i personally was like it's too big there's no point I'll never get to the end. I've got no time. I'll never skin all these hogs. Yeah. No, the, no like... <laughs> There's a lot of hogs to There's skin. There's a lot of hogs. a lot of skin. A ton. <laughs> Your horse can only carry so much, you got to go back and mm-hmm. forth, carry all the hog skin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, something like Red Dead 2, I mean, they, like, Rockstar double down on that stuff, like, so much, where it's like, you could spend, like, a couple hundred hours just in the opening chapters. I think when you mentioned Skyrim there, mm. you kind of... I wonder if it's... Because Skyrim, for us, was our first big, like, holy yeah. crap, let's get absorbed in this. So we're sort of like burnt out on it. But mm. the generation slightly below us, maybe Red Dead, this is their thing. And like maybe. open world games still have like a massive appeal and a massive like potential to be everyone's game. Like mm. for every every individual young gamer, that could be their game. Mm. Whereas like I think Skyrim was ours. Yeah. Oh, Oblivion um, was the like starting Oblivion. point. Mm. And then of course World of Warcraft as yeah. well. I think a lot of people remember that first game they like like fully got lost in. Yeah. Because yeah. it's weird to talk about like Skyrim. Like um, it was only, I when I played Skyrim, I sort of like, or any game like the big sort of fantasy thing I tend to like imagine a character from the ground up and I play mm. them as a completely like separate entity whereas like yeah. when I bought Skyrim for the 50th time on Switch I was like I'm actually going to play it like me yeah. like what would I do in this scenario and it still kind of contextually fits or whatever but <laughs> I don't know if that's the same with it like you guys approach it because I was like oh like what would I do if mm. I was living in this village like oh I might go and like try and smith something and take like a really easy quest from someone I'm not going to go and kill a giant a giant but I'll Ooh. do bits bit, bit by bit I tend to kind of do that in every single game I play where like, I, as, you I, kind of as me and mm-hmm. the way I play these type of games is like right how can I get as powerful as possible in as short a space of time <laughs> like, that is how I've been playing Smithing Skyrim daggers. as well actually there's something in that as well you said about getting Skyrim on the switch mm-hmm. I have given Skyrim uh, the longest chance that I've ever given it right. since I got it on the switch and I can pick it up and put it down super easily so mm-hmm. I think there's something in that with open world games for mm-hmm. me um, sorry but but playing a character, I always tend to do the same thing. I'll always be a good guy, mm. right, or ghetto, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll always try and get ridiculously overpowered. This is because basically I was just going to talk about like, you know, like infusing storytelling into open world stuff because when they are so like disparate and open ended, like it's easy to just mess around in them. Like they are, they, they can be big sandboxes. But does that mean you've never played Evil Shepherd in Mass Effect? 
Nope, I was Paragon. Out. I was <laughs> Paragon. I <laughs> really well, well, kicked anyone out a window. Actually, I wanted to bang Gaddis, so I did have a bit of renegade in me because he you doesn't do like he doesn't like you if you're pure like uh, good. You have to oh, have really? a little bit of nasty <laughs> in you. So I punched a reporter a couple times, and Gaddis gave me a little smooch. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think like yeah, that idea of sort of like I think you were going to say something before about like the way that you play open world stuff. Whether yeah, you play a character. Or not. I completely agree, but on the opposite, I always play as a dickhead. Like good. I always play as like, I always play as so you like, play as you then. Yeah, literally, ah. I play as the most. Ex- it, like exaggerated version of me possible where right. I'm like I'm like in real life where I'm like oh yeah no, I can't really say that but getting the game I'm like yeah screw you man I'm gonna do this I'm gonna kill all your chickens like um, I get it I proper like I turn into like 12 year old boy I'm like good. right um, but I always play it how I want like how I want to play it um, like my version of Mass Effect uh, if we're going with that example was always I was Paragon to all my friends right. and then Renegade out so Paragon in the sheets Renegade in the streets um, and and that was the way I played it and I feel like that's how like I would like, mm-hmm. I would want to be how my like fantastical image of myself would mm-hmm. be like in these games like I like doing it that way but I guess that is kind of playing a character rather yeah. than pure this is me in the game because so. that's what I was thinking like I, like as games have gotten bigger and like you know like I, I keep citing Assassin's Creed because for me that was like the tipping point of Ubisoft going like we're going to put all this money all this time and R&D and everything into making yeah. the biggest play space ever and no one will ever see every inch of it yeah. but at least people can play it for thousands of hours and that kind of like held true like Odyssey is one of the most played games of the last few years but like yeah do you kind of find that you need to like how much kind of drive do you have when you play these kind of games like can you enjoy the mechanics for me, I need a reason to keep going, which is the, that's why I gravitate more towards linear stuff. I with open world games, the reason I've gone off them is because I have the mainline story that I want to get through. Obviously, while you buy the game, mm-hmm. and driven to, but then everything else I pick up, I want to complete. I want to see everything. I want to do everything. Like I'm driven to every point of the map, and it, it, it exhausts me, right. and it wears me out. And I think that it's wonderful and great, but then you get faced with so much filler and not enough killer, as I was saying earlier. I was going to say the opposite of some forty-one. <laughs> uh, you get faced with all the filler, and you're like, this is put in here to pad this out and I'm still going to do it because I'm a little... Uh, podcast friendly word but um, like, <laughs> Con- consumer yeah yes. I'm a little consumer of the content um, but yeah so I'll still do it all but mm-hmm. it, it will grind on my patience I, I always find I need a break from a game like if I'm just right. gaming after I've done an open world game like I'll get through an open world game because I will have put all of my time effort energy into trying to see everything I need mm-hmm. I need like a week off I'm like oh no <laughs> yeah. do you have the same thing right, in terms of like main uh, main content side stuff and everything? yeah totally I feel like there's uh, everything needs balance I love mm. games like this I I loved just playing um I played Spider-Man for a good few sessions where I literally just swung a boot and got all the collectibles. Yep. So I guess that kind of counts as like open world kind mm-hmm. of. Um but then I also love just having a 3-hour window where I can sit and play an indie game and mm, play it right. from start to finish. So I think it's good to have it mm-hmm. in balance because both are very good. Mm-hmm. I tend to, with something like Skyrim um, or any sort of game, it's like massively open world, but they still give you like a main story. I'll always clock the story and then do the side stuff. Ooh. Oh, no. I, no, no, see, no. See, that like no, divides no. people because like, <laughs> like, I can't remember, I think I was talking, was it Josh? Someone was playing Days Gone and they focused so much on the side stuff and clearing out the encampments and mm. the, uh, the different sort of gang hideouts and other zombie places and everything else that they like kind of exhausted their time with the game. So by the time it came to the more design stuff, yeah. they were kind of like, oh God, I've already played yeah. this for like, 80 hours or that, that sounds like me when I tried Assassin's Creed Origins mm. Uh, mm. but like that's the thing like trying to find the balance like do you guys this seems crazy to me like doing main and then a little bit of side and then back to no, main no. do the main course first Ooh, you do you do main a little bit of side main a little bit of side but what happens yeah. is you do main 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 up until three quarters of the way through complete all of the side right. quests and then do the ending and then with, if I've if I've finished a main story I'm done with that game I'm done like, oh okay yeah, like, that's I, the last thing I do yeah I'm, I put it away like, that idea of taking a huge break though does that not break the like proportion the, the well, the, the thing story. is, I've seen this, and I've got two examples. One's mm. Breath of the Wild, the other mm. one is Horizon Zero Dawn. Sure. I don't want to finish them. If I'm really enjoying <laughs> a game, when I get to the point where it's like almost done and I can 
since it's almost done, I deliberately put off the main quest. Mm. Right. I don't want it finished because when it's finished, it's done. Yeah. Right, okay. Over. See, whereas me, I'll get it done and then assume that there's an end game. Like sometimes yeah. I'll Google it to make sure I can actually keep playing when it's done. Um, Mario 64, which is a ridiculous example, but I just finished <laughs> it this weekend, 33 years later. Did you get 120 <laughs> stars? I, did. I got 70 and then I beat Bowser. He can suck it. He's, he sucks. He's you should the, definitely get 120 stars. Bowser, right, if you haven't played it. He's, <laughs> he pops up. I mean, I know everyone knows this, 1996, yeah. but he pops up and he's like, oh, get 50 stars and you can fight me for the last time. I got 50 stars. He's like, actually, I was kidding. It was 70. I was like, what are you? <laughs> I know you're evil, but good Lord, I had to go back and get 20 more. Um, but yeah, it's like... it's. I would have never have been in that situation though. Like, instead of gone there with 120 stars, exactly. I've been like, excuse me, Bowser, what are you talking about? 70, I've got 120 out of my pocket. Here you the go. The tipping point with that face. stuff was the flags in Assassin's Creed. Like yeah. the very first Assassin's Creed when it was like, oh, there's 20 flags in each zone. And I was yeah. like, that's 20. Feathers. I'm not ever going to get... Feathers as well. Do you Is get... it feathers? Yeah. yeah, I think they ended up doing feathers. GTA 4 had the pigeons. It's just like mm. random little things that for me always felt like padding whereas you guys yeah. shot them all up. I don't know it's like um, I'm go- I was returned to God of War as my perfect game all Shut time up. the God of War 2018 the perfect game because it balances linear narrative and open world story mm. into one perfect package where mm-hmm. it's as big as it needs to be so that you can pad out your gameplay and go and like find little collectibles and see some side story learn some lore have a good time mm-hmm. and then the main story is so well written and everything that you're still driven along that have you played that more since you hit credits no, because I pl- I planned it and I was like I've done everything. I've seen right, it. right, right, right. Because like, um, well, just I was going to say that game is the perfect example of. I guess it satisfies all of us because yeah. when you hit credits in that game, not massive spoilers, but um, the way that that story goes, mm. it definitely propels you to keep going. Like you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you are Kratos and Atreus. Atreus, yeah. you have you know, there's a reason that you guys like story wise, you should mm. keep going. Like I like that they roll together the mechanic side yeah. of it with like the story itself. Um, but th- I guess that's not always the case for some stuff. It depends mm. how it sort of ends. It's one of the few ones that I like finished the main story and then was like, I'm going to get all the collectibles mm-hmm. because I thought that it was really well and the Valkyries and stuff I thought it was really well balanced mm-hmm. I just think it's I, the perfect game perfect game <laughs> like it, it actually is some might mm-hmm. say it was game of the year yeah. it, it definitely was game of the year it was a damn good time now I threw in here before we get to the game specific stuff uh, Ludonarrative Dissonance which is the most I can't say the word it's the most pernickety term yeah. um, but it came out of uh, GTA 4 back in 2008 the idea that like the way Nico uh, is in the cutscenes um, you can play him in a way that betrays the way that he, his character comes across mm. in the cutscenes um, the example being that uh, Nico says he doesn't want to kill he doesn't want to kill now that he's come to America he's trying to live a better life um, but in between the cutscenes you can just go on a rampage and do whatever yeah. and then even in the next cutscene he'll still be like I didn't want to kill anybody yeah. and it's like okay well you kind of broke it um, that kind of thing I think is interesting when you start analysing stories in open world stuff have you ever clashed with that or you kind of thought like well my character wouldn't do that or like I should play into this sort of role um, the depends wi- on the game The Witcher is mm. probably the best example of that because I feel like Geralt and the Witcher series as a whole um, because of Andres Sapkowski Andres Sapkowski yeah, yeah excuse my uh, pronunciation and I used to always think Anders Edge because yeah. it's spelt like Anders Edge uh, but like but he, has, yeah. he has a really set vision for who Geralt is and what he does and obviously he has loads of no- novels as like backstory um, but the way I wanted to play him was a lot more like I don't know it was just different like right. um, like like uh, Yennefer's is like his, his wife mm-hmm. like uh, that's his, a, that's his, his love mm-hmm. um, who he's like supposed to be with and everything whereas I was like I wanted to go after Triss I wanted right. to do other things um, I didn't care about some of the things uh, that Geralt would and I played him in the way that I wanted to play rather than the way that I thought Geralt would play um, right, right. And, I, and that kind of I felt I don't think it came across in the cutscenes quite as heavily but I, I personally felt a little bit like di- of dissonance between the two mm-hmm. so like oh I know the way that he should be and, and how Geralt is but 
this is what I'm going to do with him instead. Yeah, I think it's like, it's that, do you have the same thing, Rach? Like that split between gameplay and story? Uh, I, I'm trying so hard to think of an example. <laughs> but I do know what you mean, especially mm-hmm. with the GTA example. But I think I'm sure there's something, I just can't think. It's weird because like Rockstar, Rockstar are the ones that do it the most because obviously their games are rooted in like crime fiction. So like even in Red Dead 2, like Arthur has that little journal where he's always writing yeah. about like, you know, I was brought up and I'm like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying my best to be quite peaceful. And like his entries do change depending on how you play. But like there is that sort of idea of the game is serving you up a character, but trying to write some one that would make sense like with open world chaos in as much as they're also trying to deliver something I always think um, for Mass Effect like Mass Effect 3 I always thought was really weird um, because it's like you're trying to save the galaxy and yeah. like you know you have this sort of driving force to do stuff um, in the cutscenes and everything but then in gameplay you can just go and do all fetch yeah, quests yeah. and just kill time and like for me like yeah. things like that kind of <laughs> it kind of breaks the immersion but I think that's one of the risks that they run with like more open worlds Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
them. Um, but yeah, we can get on some game-specific stuff. Um, let's talk about Man of Medan, because yes. me and Rich don't know that much about it, but you've been playing Ooh. through. I know nothing about it other than that it's the Until Dawn guys, and yes. I'm already sold. Like, that's, yeah. that's my thing. I know, yeah. it's, I know it's super massive, and that's all I know. It's Until Dawn guys. So basically, it is, it's uh, the first part of their Dark Pictures anthology, which is going to be a, um, a like yearly running thing where they have a new horror story each time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it runs in the same sort of way as Until Dawn, where you've got this like overarching... Um, kind of like a framing device where you you go in there's a man in a, a library who's like okay we're going to look at this story and this is how you story oh, cool. and kind of gives you like um like, like the twilight zone kind of yeah it's very twilight zone and okay. then and then you go into the narrative which is um a bunch of friends who are on a boat and they're looking for a sunken wreckage that they can go and find uh, manchurian gold which they think they're going to find some uh, treasure with and that's the the setup mm-hmm. for the narrative and then it works in the same way as Until Dawn, whereas you play as each um, character, the game will slip you, slip, slip you in and out of each like persona. Mm-hmm. And you have conversations, decide how they're going to be, um, how they're going to react to things and make decisions on what they're going to do. So you're, okay. fa- so you're faced with like quick time events where you have to get through, otherwise you might get shot. Right, you might right. fall out your boat. Like, uh-huh. Other stuff happens. That might happen. Um, but if people might die, um, people might not die. And you've got to try and get through the end with everyone surviving. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, it's very much a linear story, but with sounds very focused. branching pathways. Mm-hmm. So you can play through it multiple times and get a different ending every time. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically the setup mm-hmm. of Man of Medan. Until Dawn, um, I've, I've said God of War is the perfect game. Until, <laughs> Until Dawn is my favorite game, Show. I would say, um, because just the way that that ran was so, so impressive. Like it was a perfect combination of film and game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've taken that template, smacked it out again, it's not as good as Until Dawn. It's okay. not as good as Until Dawn. Ooh. Which is... Uh, what well, is, though, you know? Yeah, like, I, um, I wanted it to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Until Dawn, like you're saying, is brilliant. It blew me away. But then I replayed it a few times. Five times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kept failing. One person died right yeah. again. Um, and it does have this thing that just... I can't get out of my head. And it is the fact that, like, you can fail people have specific moments when they can die mm. and if you can fail all the quick time events you want but mm. if it's not their time they won't die and it mm. just completely took me out of the immersion there's this whole section where mike is in the asylum yeah with yes. his dog and you can fail every single quick time event and he won't die the dog, fine until the specific one yeah the, the dog dies though which <laughs> <Yeah>. is horrible <laughs> i guess it's so, like I was gonna say it's like the mechanics of it, like you start seeing the strings kind of thing. Yes, like, yes, uh, that's what it is. So mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted Man of Medan mm. to have way more branching, but it mm. sounds a lot simpler. I will do like a. This is gonna be a full review of this. There'll be a written review yes. up um, uh, tomorrow, which is today well, on today this podcast. Time you hear this <laughs> this um, week, yes. yeah. There'll be a written review up, and uh, me and Jules are gonna do a conversation about it as well. But basically, I feel like this is one that shows its strings quite a bit as well, right, right. because I played through. I played through it um, twice. You can do like a scene selection, so I've played through the end quite a lot to get all the different, uh, see what happens with all different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just there's just things that just need tightening up, refining. Right. It's stuff that can be patched, I think. Um, but like. Mm. In terms of like well, a, a I was say like in terms of like a method of storytelling, like yeah. it's effective in terms of like you like assuming you believe in the characters, you like that yeah. there is like narrative propulsion to it's it. It's wonderful the way that it, uh, the way that it plays out with like like until dawn, you get shown a character, you get three of their main characteristics flash up on screen as the way that they are generally. So you can play as them, or you can go against their normal personality and do different things and see how that interacts with the people, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting way of doing it. It's very much like it's like reading a book. Um, it's like a choose. It's literally the choose your own adventure book, and right. you can skip ahead and read read what happens and go back and do it again. That sort of thing. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's a wonderful framing device, and it, I think it re- works really well for games. And I think mm. Man of Medan 
is the shortened version of Until Dawn as well. So it's a lot quicker to get through, um, which I think works incredibly well in its favor mm-hmm. for this format of storytelling. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. I wonder if they want people to have like a more um, specific experience because Until Dawn is known for being this big sprawling thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess with Madan, that is actually yeah. we can double down on making sure everyone hits the, the right points. Yeah, yeah, plus you said it's first of many, right? So. Yeah. Mm. It's a multiplayer as well, so you can do it across um, so, mm. consoles. Mm. <laughs> Why? How is it multiplayer? The, the This is actually where it succeeds the best because um, as much as the solo story would be what I would play it for and what I think is appealing, the multiplayer works much better because... Um, every scene is done with two characters in it. So okay. one but one of you plays one and one of you plays the other and then you can interact how you like with each other and choose like run run away and leave your friends behind or you can get someone else killed and then carry on with your That's gameplay. Cool. And you see different Great. things, like you don't see the same things. Obviously you're playing different characters. So there's um, at the very, very beginning, so this is venturing into spoiler territory, but literally, uh, for, literally no. just for the prologue, <laughs> just for the prologue. Okay. There's one little bit where... Um, you you play uh this is the build up to seeing the man of Medan ship um which is there's two people in World War Two mm-hmm. and you get on the ship and um, one of you's playing Charlie I think he is and the other one's Joe or something like that and Joe, um, Joe. Uh, and one of you's in like the, the brig of the ship and one of you says you got to meet up and find each other and then you you start seeing all sorts of crazy um, supernatural craziness okay. um, and one of you is, has a gun and one of you has a knife basically and um, there's there's all sorts of outcomes that can happen where you can choose to hide with the one character and if you hide maybe you'll get shot with this friend because he can't see right. you um and that sort of thing but like you don't know what's happening until oh, the whole like scene that. is played out sort of thing see, they did a little game called hidden agenda um like a couple of years ago it was mm. like a detective like thriller type thing and they kind of touted that as like okay one of you is the killer it's yeah. like you play with your phones and it was like four people or five people could play at once and then one of you would get messages on your phone telling you that like you need to like you know direct the conversation in a certain way yeah. um, and i love that idea i like them i like them playing with that stuff more yeah. it sounds way more focused than that it sounds like they have more specific mm. examples of it, it just reminds me of how um Fondly, I look back and remember playing through a way out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. that kind of like, so good. I know. yeah, it's really, really good. I feel like that was like the next stage in like, hey, remember how good like multiplayer mm. is? <laughs> you want to play through a story with a friend and mm-hmm. not yeah. just like go and mindlessly shoot a few guys and level up. Plus, like in a way out, like, like you know, the um, uh, Joseph Harris was like, I recommend or I, you know, nigh on demand that you play it on a couch. Like, get someone that you yeah. care yeah. about and play it on a couch. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I would say the uh, the online is better than the couch because you can do like a controller passing one. Uh, oh. But like the online version is um, is really good and works really well and because it's a horror game and you can't really communicate unless you like ring up and talk to them on the phone mm-hmm. um, oh, it, it's Discord's like a thing well, exactly <laughs> you know what I mean uh, it, like, it works it works really well but yeah I, I, for the purpose of this pod mm-hmm. I think it's a really great way of telling a story I think that the way that Supermassive um, have made these games is incredible I love Choose Your Own Adventure books I used to read Nightmare all the time yes. like a freaking love nightmare oh, oh yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the TV show they go, like the way that they've channeled that into a game and you can and the replayability of it I think is really good I think mm-hmm. shortening that to like a bite sized chunk that you can get through in a couple of nights or whatever is great because I, mean, I remember um, 2012 was when The Walking Dead sort of came in like Telltale that massive boom yeah. like they'd done uh, Back to the Future and Jurassic Park and stuff before then um, well they'd done Jurassic Park before then and then Walking Dead blew up so much and then we had all these kind of like you know they, a lot of influence kind of came from them we saw yeah. Life is Strange and then Supermassive had Until Dawn but I feel like right now there's only really like Don't Nod with Life is Strange and then Supermassive yeah. doing Madan that are carrying the point and click stuff forward yeah, I'm yeah. glad um, they are though oh yeah yeah and like Amazing. on the scale that they're doing it um, the next one down we had is uh, the World of Warcraft classic which like is kind of the opposite but like I wanted to just talk about yeah. like, what brings you back into it like it's that idea of yeah. building a character and doing 
lot of stuff all over again. I mean, the thing is, obviously, with WoW Classic, is it was 15 years ago. Mm. So, like, first of all, you kind of notice, like, I know, like, Lord. so many people, though, like, it's this sort of thing within the WoW community uh, before now, before, obviously, they announced Classic, that you'd have the nerds who were like, oh, I was one of them, who's like, oh, you don't know how good you have it these days. Back <laughs> in my day, when we had to walk everywhere until level 40. We didn't 40. even have pandas. We, we didn't even have, we had ammunition. Yeah. We had, we had oh, God. So... <laughs> well, classic. Lots has changed in 15 years, and mm -hmm. uh, people are sort of finding that out now. But the thing is, it's so cool. It's like I said this earlier to the guys. I was like, it's funny. The one thing that will probably and can probably kill WoW mm -hmm. is WoW. That <laughs> <laughs> like eats um, its own tail, kind of thing. Suddenly, everyone is so like interested in World of Warcraft again, and mm -hmm. I love it. So the only thing is, though, I've been playing this game for 15 years. I've got 15 years of investment on it, mm -hmm. and now I'm starting all over. I was going to say because if you're starting all over again, do you find yourself settling back into how you played it back in like 2004? I or? will be doing the exact same thing, right. probably yeah. doing absolutely every single thing, just going to like random zones, getting lost, and just mm -hmm. just enjoying playing with friends again. Mm -hmm. um, it's completely like it's so sandboxy. Wow, because you can't do anything very fast in classic. Right. Everything takes forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that does that help though? Because I mean, like that's the version that like the whole world fell in love with. Like that yeah. was when the South Park episode came out after it. And, like, <laughs> yeah, that was like that was the peak. thing. Yeah, yeah that was, I think South that was like Park peak Warcraft. Well, I would actually call peak Warcraft Wrath of Lich King. But, Ooh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, definitely okay. Wrath of Lich King. That's mm -hmm. when they had like their uh, eleven million subs, right, or something. But no, classic obviously did something right because it sowed the seeds, and then they had you know the they had the player base to then do the expansions mm -hmm. for. It, so. But like going back to it, like obviously you got the old school graphics and stuff. But like you said that like they it it's looks a, awful, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm game for some old school stuff again. Mario sixty four. It's so just. I mean, look at games like Minecraft, like old school graphics, like mm -hmm. they work, like people can look past them. And with, with a lot of people, it is the nostalgia. It is mm -hmm. the, oh my God, yeah, this is what humans look so, they used to have three polygons for faces. Right. And it's like, and, and mm -hmm. even just things like, oh, um, my quests no longer show up as highlights on mm. the map anymore. I, right. need to, I need to read my journal and figure out where to go for this quest. I've gone like, just so like back and forward on stuff like that, where like, I think that the worse the graphics are for the most part, especially when we were kids, your mind makes up the distance. Like you didn't, you didn't look at it in a way that went like, oh, there's, there's not enough polygons in that character <laughs> model. You just saw them as that character and you just went forward. Yeah. And like, for me, that kind of, I don't know, like over time makes me, made me like love those games and like, you know, love those worlds and stuff. Like if you go back to like, you know, old school Warcraft or if you look at like, like um, if you search like GTA San Andreas, um, it's like if GTA San Andreas yeah. map from the sky or whatever, you look at those maps, those worlds, they are super small and they're quite blocky and whatever, but we remember them as like cities and worlds and realms and whatever. Like yeah. Yeah. there's something about actually derezzing it that I think makes your mind make up the distance that makes you love it even yeah. more. So which I guess works for in classics case. <laughs> there's something in this whole thing as well is like the whole, what's fascinating me these days, because I surprise myself with this whole like wanting to replay games that I already know inside out. Like, right. why do I do it? Why do we all do it? I just spent the weekend playing GTA 4. So. Oh, oh, it's yeah. nostalgia, isn't it? It's love, it's joy. Mm -hmm. You're going back to what it made you feel. In mm -hmm. this world where we've got Man of Medan and Blair Witch mm. coming out on the same day Whoa. next week, why, <laughs> why am I going to be spending next month playing WoW? Mm. Like, yeah. of all, oh God, it's going to happen. It? <laughs> it's the power of nostalgia. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I love Remedy, and you guys will know them from Max Payne and Alan Wake and maybe Quantum Break. Um, now, we have another video on the uh, the 
main channel that me and Josh did where I just shouted at him about how much I love this game. Um, but I wanted to bring it in uh, mainly because I've been playing it since midnight last yeah. night, two nights ago for you guys. Um, but because it kind of straddles the line between both. It has like really over narrative mechanics, um, narrative presentation where the game just starts, it goes from like a cut to black and your main character, uh, Jesse, just says, um, why did you bring me here? Just out loud. And um, I'm going to leave it as vague as possible because I think the part of the reason I adore this thing is that it's kind of this slowly drip fed like macabre yeah. horror um, thing. It's great. Uh, and so you turn up at this place, it's the Federal Bureau of Control and she walks in through the front door and everything's abandoned. It's this big kind of, mm. you know, open office block type place. And um, you just start walking forward and exploring and eventually you come across a janitor who's like, oh, you must be here for the interview. And then you go through and you start talking to different people. Um, and it's, you have that like, you know, initial sort of narrative drive where you get given your name and the reason you're there. Um, or she's, um, Jesse says to herself the reason that she's there. Um, and then you sit down with it, you start finding other people in the building and you, you know, kind of get more of a reason as to what happened there. Why is it abandoned? What were these people looking into? And whatever, and it all kind of goes from there. But gameplay wise, it's a Metroidvania. And mm. you have, um, it's all set in one building. It's kind of mm. like Die Hard or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's kind of like a Metroidvania where some buildings are locked off with different key cards and maybe you need to get this weapon to go to this next place. So you kind of have this initial like burst of like, okay, it's a mystery and I need to know why I'm here and I want to know the next thing. Mm. But you're only going to really figure out the full ramifications of what's happening by going to every single location and reading every single document that's on every single wall. So for me, like that's the perfect blend. Mm. Um, and as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I've missed, I've missed a game that just hits the ground going. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of found myself, like I said, playing until like two in the morning or whatever. Um, but I guess it's just that that wider sort of conversation on like how do you split the different elements. For me, I love this stuff, um, and I love the way that they like roll everything out. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the last time was that you played something that was that was modern where you were like, okay, this is trying to tell a story right from the get go. It's not necessarily too bothered about open world stuff. I've been playing a lot of Remnant, and I feel nice. like Remnant is kind of doing that as well. It has like the um, people like myself who are maybe a little bit more interested in just getting straight to the gameplay mm -hmm. can do that, and mm -hmm. people who like to get really lost in a world mm. and learn all about all the story and all the characters can do that as well mm -hmm. uh you can sort of pick whether how like how deep you want to dive mm -hmm. um but no remnants fantastic yeah Cause i always think like i said before about all the the hollywood influence stuff and like, across the 2000s we saw so many games that you know obviously ex experiment with like you know like hiring actors in and doing like full motion capture and you have a lot of that today as well um but games that can just like play to the medium and go like, okay yeah. like here's a set of gameplay mechanics go have fun here's some action stuff like yeah i think that some of that stuff is kind of missing in amongst all the massive sprawling open world stuff mm. i'm kind of glad to like get it back as yeah. if madame was the same kind of breath of fresh air of like yeah. this is a story driven game it's tight isn't it it's just really tight i just really like being told a story i i think the the heart of gameplay is stories it's narratives it's get, it's being told something it's experiencing something and you can do that in open world games and have that to a much like more intense degree because you're fully immersed in a world mm -hmm. but i think a story that kind of trundles along and goes hit do, 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 is hellblade's newest sacrifice i played mm. the most recently that did that for me where it just literally like slaps through it yeah, that's like, Whoa, okay. That's the, like as a okay, quick little side thing. Hellblade is what I thought of when I was playing Control because it's like yeah. Remedy. I don't know who's publishing this. It's five or five games, but um, the way that like Remedy is, it's like a trip. It looks like a triple A game. It looks mm. gorgeous. The like facial animations amazing and everything. But it has such an indie soul where it's like you know so far up itself. And I'm totally game for. <laughs> and it's like it reminds you what Hellblade was because Hellblade was yeah. this very specific story that like any major publisher wouldn't have latched onto. And it's like that like you know they obviously had to pitch it as like we have this heavy gameplay side that's mm. going to sell. It's going to be in the trailers, but we want this like really moody narrative stuff too so for me I like both Love yes. it. but yeah the one of the final things is just um, Hideo Kojima was talking about um, when he was making Metal Gear Solid 5 and uh, with Death Stranding as well he's like you know once you go open world you don't go back and like that kind of thing so <laughs> I was going to end on saying do you think the industry should go back or do you like where we are at the minute we're, well, mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm. well. <laughs> I'm going to reiterate what I said about balance open world games are great and mm -hmm. I love getting lost in them And but um, 
story-driven games are good too. Yeah, I like that. I like a bit of both. I think um, it's rare. I haven't had an open-world game blow me away like a story-driven thing has. Like the like like something like Celeste or like even the opening couple hours of Control has really got me in a way that no open-world game has recently. Breath of Breath of the Wild. So good. <laughs> yeah, you might be wrong. I might take that back. Hmm. That was two years ago. I don't know. Breath of the Wild was a damn flawless. Story story-driven games always tend to be like they 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 resonate more. Mm. Whereas with like massive open-world games, you'll always get a lot of people saying, "Oh, it was oh, too God, big. Actually, I didn't do everything." Like when you design it that well in Breath of the Wild, when you finally make it to the castle and you know that you're prepared to finally fight Ganon, and the score comes on, that might be the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I like that a lot. And he's married. Yes, I know. I did compare <laughs> I to the highs of life. Oh, I... Oh. You would like all the open-world aimlessness to just, just go on the side a little bit. The, that's exactly... I, would, I, I like open-world games. I like them, but I can only do one every year or two, maybe. That's what it is, mm. yeah. Like, and so I want what I want is for open-world games to be AAA titles that come out once a year in a big, like, landmark events. Like, Cyberpunk is the game that oh, I'm most excited show. for, realistically, and that is a massive open-world game, so I'm not writing them off completely. But um, I just... I, I need, like, one landmark event a year of them, and then story-driven games would be my my mm. ultimate preference I do really like a story driven game that I can get rattled through and maybe do again if I really like yeah, it yeah I was gonna say yeah I like the satisfaction of knowing that you've you've seen a whole thing through yeah. and it's like yeah if you rush it out to something as something as massive as like an odyssey or like a division or yeah. anthem or whatever it's like a couple of them a year is a nice um, balance to the stuff that's more driven but yes yeah, so let us what you think down in the comments below are you a fan of open world stuff or more linear stuff or do you like a balance of the two for now this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast and I've been your host Scott Taylor joined by Rachel Shackleton thanks for watching and Ash Millman yeah welcome me (laughs) (laughs) and we'll catch you next time cheers bye hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.